Welcome to Disciple City Church Podcast. My name is Jerry Wagner, founder and lead pastor of Disciple City Church in Dallas, Texas. Thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast. Our desire is to unleash healthy disciple makers in West Dallas to reach the world. God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can listen to new messages each week. Thank you and have a God-filled day. Good morning, Disciple City Church. Thank you so much for joining me. Would you take just a couple of seconds and just give a hand clap of praise for the creative worship team? Also to Ryan and Michaela as they greet us. And one more team that's here that makes it feel all a little bit homey, the AV team. You know, going from a missional community church to a live stream church has been, has been tough, but you are worth it. And so just in the chat, just give them a hand clap of praise as we encourage them. I believe God has given me a word today. I'm talking about grief. Um, last week, we talked about the what of grief. We said grief is groaning with the, hope of, with the help of the Holy Spirit, the hope of the future, and trusting in the sovereign plan of God. But this week, right, we're going to talk about how. How should we grieve in the midst of this pandemic? So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to be getting at verses 18, uh, 13 through 18. All right. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning at verses 13 through 18. If you have it, say amen in the chat. And if you don't have it, say wait a minute. All right. I, okay. So, okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. First Thessalonians chapter four, beginning at verses 13 through 18. And it reads, but we do not want you to be uninformed brothers about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself would descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Let us pray. Eternal Father, thank you so much for this truth. I was reminded today by one of my brothers uh, of the reason why I started preaching I did not start preaching to get likes. I did not start preaching to get views. I started preaching so that I may glorify you and so that I may see young men and young women like myself be transformed and followers of Jesus. And so today, Father, I just ask that you would take the meditation of my heart and um, uh, my lips and my tongue and use them for your glory. And I hope that somebody might ask that all important question, what must I do? to be saved. And it's in Jesus Christ's name that I pray. Let all the saints say, amen. One thing I think most of us, if not all of us, have experienced are funerals. 
I have attended a lot of funerals, and I also have conducted a lot of funerals. And one thing that is true, no matter what funeral you go to, is that every funeral is traumatic. Every experience of death is traumatic. But there's something I have observed just navigating through the terrains of funerals, and that is this. There are two type of funerals. The first funeral I would describe as the wailing and the gnashing of teeth. In this funeral, you see uncontrollable crying, you see misguided violence, and you see this deep, deep sense of despair. In fact, at a young age, I was at a funeral And as the um, funeral director um, prepared to close the casting, as he was preparing to go to the burial site, um, one of the family members tried to jump into the casket. And as he tried to comfort them, it went from comfort to violence. To violence. Just in that matter of moments because of the grief. But the second funeral I would describe as simply lamenting. In this funeral, there's pain, there's crying, there is brokenness, but it is quickly followed by singing and dancing and reflection. See, in this funeral, you hear things like, (laughs) I was going to sing. (laughs) Oh, hold on. I got to try. I got to try. Because the last funeral I was at was, it's been a long day without you, my friend. I will tell you all about it when I see you again. It's been a long day without you, my friend. I will tell you. Okay, that's enough, right? Somebody else do Wiz Khalifa's part, right? right? The last funeral I was at, they was hyped. Why? Because they expected to see the brother or sister that had died again. Notice a couple of things. In both funerals, there was a loss of a loved one, right? In both funerals, watch this, there was grieving. But in one funeral, the experience paralyzed them in their trauma. But in the other funeral, there was meaning and there was freedom. What is the difference? What is the difference? One word, hope. Hope. See, in the first funeral, there was despair, but in the second funeral, there was hope. Here's the truth. What you and I expect in our trauma and our loss will reflect what we believe. What you and I expect in our trauma and our our loss will reflect what we believe. And what we believe, watch this, will determine how we act. In other words, grief don't always have to be bad. Grief does not always have to be bad, all right? Um, David Kessler, in his book called Finding Meaning, The Sixth Stage of Grief, listen to what he says. He says, trauma always has grief mixed in, but not all trauma is traumatic. Not all trauma is traumatic. Here's his point. Meaning and trauma are not disconnected from one another. Meaning and trauma are not disconnected from one another. You can have real trauma and also have good grief, right? But the real question is, what is your grief rooted in? What is your grief rooted in? And so today I want to ask and answer the question, how should disciples of Jesus Christ grieve, right? I understand that all of us, have went through a traumatic experience. I understand all of us have suffered a great loss, 
but how we grieve will determine if you are stuck in pain or you are walking in the praises of hope. How should we grieve today? What would you choose? How would you navigate this pandemic? Well, in order to answer that question, I think we have to go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Because Paul begins to answer how to grieve, how followers of Jesus Christ should grieve. And this is what Paul would say. If we are going to be disciples of Jesus, the first thing that we're going to have to do is to grieve, watch this, with hope. To grieve with hope. Followers of Jesus have something that the world doesn't even have, and that is hope. But here's the truth. Good grief is rooted in the resurrection and the return of Jesus. If you and I are going to experience the type of hope that Jesus Christ offers, it cannot be disconnected from the resurrection or his return. So what are we going to choose today as we navigate through this pandemic? Hope. So let's start there. And here's the truth. God's grief starts with hope. Paul is writing his first letter to um, his children in the faith who live in Thessalonica. And according to Timothy, his protege, um, he has sent back a report. And the report of these believers in Thessalonica is that their faith is flourishing. Like they are living for Jesus despite the persecution that they are receiving under the rule and reign of Caesar. All right? These brothers and sisters are just, just making Paul proud as a father in the faith because how they have given their allegiance to Jesus over their allegiance to Caesar. But there's a problem, right? And the problem is some of the brothers and sisters in Christ have died before the return of Jesus, right? And let me say this to you. I don't care how strong your faith is. When death begins to pile up, doubt would follow. I don't, I don't care how strong your posture is in the faith. A prolonged pandemic will bring you pain. The, the brothers and sisters in um, Thessalonica, they're, they're concerned. And one of their concerns is what is going to happen to the brothers and sisters who are dying in Christ, right? It's, that's a question that all of us are asking. What is going to happen Uncertainty begins to flow in our hearts. And the way that Paul answers their question is in verse 13. He says, but do, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. And I'm going to come back to that. Hold on to sleep. That you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. Notice something. Paul did not tell them not to grieve, Paul told them how to grieve, right? He didn't tell them that grieving was wrong. He says, let me show you how to grieve as someone who is, who is standing in Christ. Man, listen, this is, this is king, right? This is the difference between telling somebody and showing someone, right? To tell someone is simply to pass on information, but to show someone is to give them a pathway to life. Paul wants these brothers and sisters to know how to grieve well. Good grief, right? The reason why I love this is because as a father, 
I've learned that it is better to show your children how to do something than to tell them what not to do. All right. Any parents out there with me? All right. Any parents out there with me? Paul says, I want to show you how to grieve. I want to demonstrate to you what good grief looks like. And so the first thing he said is, let me teach you how to grieve. Here's the second thing I think he's doing. He's showing these brothers and sisters that it is okay to grieve. Right? It is okay to grieve. To grieve, watch this, is human. To grieve is human. To grieve is an attribute that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit has demonstrated before us. Not next week, but come back next week. You're going to hear about God's grief. How Jesus Christ began to weep over his friend Lazarus. It is a good thing to grieve. We grieve over those things that are broken. But here's the problem. Somebody once said to me, but, 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 but pastor, it, grieving is optional. Grieving is optional. And to that person, I simply said, that's true. But it comes with a cost. It comes with a cost. Look at Eric from, he quotes, to spare oneself from grief at all costs can be achieved only at the price of total detachment. Those who decide not to grieve, those who put grieving on the back burner, they are detaching themselves from the things that they love. They're detaching themselves. To grieve is human. To grieve is to reflect what you care about, what you love. The Bible says that God loved us first. First John chapter four, verse 19. And because God loved us first, watch this, our heart breaks for what breaks his heart. Our heart breaks because his heart breaks towards sin and disease and decay and death. God's heart broke so much over these things that he sent his son. Right? You tracking with me? You're like, come on, Pastor, just keep going. You tracking with me because you know to grieve is a reflection of those things that you love. That's the difference, right? That is the difference between those who were grieving in the first funeral and those who were grieving in the second funeral. That there was a disconnect between hope. And so the question is, so how shall we grieve? And Paul tells you, with hope. Paul says those who are followers of Jesus should grieve with guaranteed hope. In other words, you expect things to change. You expect things um, to get better. You expect that this pandemic will go away. We are called to grieve like those who have guaranteed hope. Right? But here's our problem. We don't grieve with guaranteed hope. We grieve with wishful hope. We think it's going to happen. We hope it's going to happen. And Paul is looking at us saying, that's not how we grieve. We don't grieve like those who have no hope. We grieve like those who have hope. One of the things my wife used to tell me when I would tell the kids something, she says, be careful what you tell those kids. Because the moment you tell them that you're going to do something, you better do it. In her wife voice, if you married out there, you know what I'm talking about. You better do it. Because she understands once you tell a child something, they expect it to happen. And somewhere along the line, 
we have lost our childlike faith that when God tells us something, to believe it. Somewhere along the line, we have been disconnected to what God has promised us and what we are practicing. He says we are called to live with guaranteed hope. And so when you read this, you, like you start freaking out because you like, how can Paul preach such guaranteed hope to these brothers and sisters who are grieving? Right? Like, like how can he say these things with such conviction? Watch this. Because of what his hope is rooted in. Right? Good grief is rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. All right. All right. Watch. Paul explains it in verse 14. He says, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Notice where Paul's guarantee is. Paul's guarantee is not in what he has done. Paul's guarantee is what Jesus has done. <laughs> yeah, right? And if Jesus guarantees something, you better believe it. His guarantee is rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Oh, man, you're talking about hope, bruh. Like, I'm like, man, like my mind cannot wrap around that, that there's this thing called guaranteed hope until I go to the resurrection. Jesus was the person who told the Pharisees, he said, hey, don't worry about it. I'm going to raise this temple up in three days. And guess what happened? His body resurrected in three days. Right. Oh, man. See, here's what I love. The first thing that Paul addresses in our lack of hope is our belief. Watch this. Paul addresses our grief with our belief. He's simply asking, what do you believe? What do you believe? Here's what Paul understands. Good grief is rooted in good doctrine. Right? If you have good grief, just look at what you believe, because what you believe reflects how you respond. That's what Paul is saying. Since you believe in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you should have guaranteed hope. Right? You should have guaranteed hope. If you and I, man, if we are going to experience this type of guaranteed hope, the first thing that we're going to have to do is to put our trust in the resurrection. Why? Well, I'll tell you three things. It was in the resurrection that Jesus Christ cured the worst virus that the world has ever seen. Sin, right? It was in the resurrection that Jesus Christ defeated the greatest foe to man, death. It was in the resurrection that Jesus Christ gave us life. Go back to John chapter 11, verse 25. It says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he lives. You see where his guarantee is? Good grief is guaranteed in the hope of the resurrection. That's where we find our hope. That's where we find our trust. And that's why we can have confidence and boldness while we proclaim to the world, don't worry, this will be over soon. We're not measuring time, we're measuring eternity. 
We're not measuring just what we have said. We are measuring what Christ Jesus have done when he rose from the grave. Pastor, why are we not grieving with the hope of the resurrection? Three reasons. One reason I think we're not grieving with the hope of the resurrection is because we think the resurrection is an historical event that we celebrate on Easter. All right. We think it's just a historical event. People come out praising happy resurrection Sunday. The second thing I think we fall into is that we see the resurrection as a one-time event as opposed to eternal security for those who are in Christ. And here's the last part, and I think it's the most practical, and I think it's also the most profound, is how we see death, right? See, we see death as loss, not gain, we see death as separation, not union with Christ, right? We see death as if we are missing out on the good pleasures of this world as opposed to being united with Jesus in paradise. The reason why we're not experiencing the hope of the resurrection is because our view of death is broken. Watch this. Did you notice that Paul said that Jesus died, but he said that the believers were asleep. Paul said that Jesus died, but the believers were asleep. And the reason why he said the believers were asleep is because he expected that they were going to get back up. All right, let me, let, let me make it plain for you. When Jesus Christ died, he was actually separated from the Father because of our sins, Right? But when we die, we don't go through a separation. We go through a union with Jesus Christ. Man, yes. Let that seep in just for a second. You and I do not have to experience the pain and separation of death because Jesus Christ had already paid it. Yeah, that's hope right there, bruh. That's hope right there. You do not have to experience the separation of death because when you die, according to what Paul is saying, you will be united with Jesus. Go back to John chapter 11. Yet he died. He also lived. Like there's a brokenness in our theology about death. You are not missing out on anything if you die. You are actually gaining something. Mm. Not only is good grief rooted in the resurrection, but it's also rooted in the return of Christ. Good grief is rooted in the return of Christ. Go to verse 16 for me. Verse 16, chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of a trumpet, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Right? I believe that this is the loudest scripture in the Bible. Right? I believe this is the loudest text in the Bible. I've searched. I don't see anything louder than this. Watch. He says, with a cry of command, which speaks of someone who has authority, that when Jesus Christ comes back, right, he is going to speak a command with authority. Look at the second. With a voice of an archangel. They're probably alluding to Michael in Jude chapter 9, but Jesus Christ is greater than the angels, right? He's coming with his military background, and he's like, bro, we about to wreck shop. 
Look at the last one. And with the sound of the trumpet of God. Let me tell you. The reason why this verse is so, uh, so noisy is because Jesus Christ is, is about to wake up those who are asleep. Yeah, right, right. It, like it's deeper than an alarm clock, right? It, it, it's, it's, it's deeper than that thing that you, sit, you keep push, pushing snooze on. Jesus Christ is so loud as he's about to wake up those who are dead in Christ. If that don't give you goosebumps, I don't know what will. That's what the text is. The dead will rise first. Here's the point. Not even death can separate you from God. That's why Paul has hope. That's why Paul is grieving in the midst of hope. And that's why God is telling us to grieve with hope based on the resurrection and the return of Jesus. But he didn't stop there. Here's my last point. He turns to those who are alive in Christ. Verse 17, we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. All right. There's a lot of debate here, right? Uh, there's a lot of debate. Um, some people believe this is the rapture. Other people believe that this is a delegation that is parallel to the Roman people. Despite what you believe, watch this. You you will be with Christ. Despite where your theological convictions, your, your dogmatic uh, eschatology, no matter what happens, you will be with Christ. Some people think this is post-trib. Some people think it is pre-trib. Some people think it is mid-tribulation. But watch this. If you go before, it's because of Jesus. If you go in the middle of it, it's because of Jesus. If you go after of it, watch this, it's because of Jesus. <laughs> now that's good theology, right? The reality is those who are in Christ have a future hope that Jesus Christ is coming back. So how do we grieve, y'all? Paul says we grieve with hope. How do we grieve? He says, we grieve as those who have hope in the resurrection. How do we grieve? As those who expect Jesus Christ to come back, to take us up with him, and that he will be with us forever. And so some of you are asking a question, well, pastor, what do I do with this information? Paul has one application to this sermon. It's in verse 18. Look at what he says in verse 18. We encourage one another with these words. The application to this sermon is to take this truth and encourage other people with this word. All right. Let me give you something. How, I want you to share five things with people. All right. Whether they are have hope or they are hopeless. I want you to encourage them with five things about the life of Jesus. Tammy is about to come to the stage because I, I, I just want to get excited just real quick right here. All right. Here are the five things I want you to tell them. For those who have hope, for those who are in Christ, I want you to tell them about the death, burial, resurrection, and watch this, ascension, and that Jesus Christ will return. I want you to tell people who have hope that Jesus Christ died. 
He died for your sins, your past, present, and future sins, right? Then I want you to turn around and tell them that Jesus Christ was buried, right? He was put in the tomb. They sealed the rock. They had soldiers there. And yet on the third day, he got up with all power in his hand. I want you to tell those who have hope that. I want you to tell them that there were two people on the road of Emmaus that saw him. I want you to tell them that disciples of Jesus saw him. I want you to tell them according to Corinthians that over 500 people saw him. I want you to tell them that Josephus, who's a secular writer, said that Jesus got up. I want you to tell them that Bar Armor, who's an agnostic, said that the disciples got up. I want you to tell everybody that Jesus Christ got up, right? And then I want you to tell them, watch this, that he ascended to the Father and he's sitting on the right hand of the Father waiting to return. Would you tell those who have hope that Jesus Christ is coming back for them? And then those who are hopeless, I want you to tell them this, that Jesus Christ died, right? That he died on the cross, that he died for your sins, that he died on behalf of you. And then I want you to tell them that he was buried, that he was put in a tomb, that they rolled a stone there, that there were some soldiers telling him that he couldn't get out. But on the third day, he rose with all power in his hand. And then I want you to tell them there were two people on the road of Emmaus who saw him. And then I want you to tell them that there were some disciples who saw him. And then in the book of Corinthians, there were over 500 people who saw them. Then Josephus, who was a secular writer, said that Jesus Christ got up. And then Bar Ehrman, who also said, who's an agnostic, that Jesus Christ got up. And when you tell them that he got up, tell them that he ascended to heaven. That he's sitting on the right hand of the Father, waiting to return. Waiting to return. And tell this hopeless person who does not know Jesus that if you want guaranteed hope, if you want to grieve with hope in the midst of a pandemic, put your faith in Jesus. Put your faith in Jesus. And some of you are like, Pastor, you didn't even have to finish the sermon. I'm already ready to put my faith in Jesus. Then I want you to text respond. I want you to text respond. And I want you to text respond so that a brother or sister here at Disciple City Church can walk with you and rehash the gospel, the death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and the return of Jesus. Whoo! I need to contemplate. I know some of you all need to contemplate as well. I need to contemplate. One thing that we do here at Disciple City Church is that we contemplate. And we ask four things. What is God calling you to stop? What is God calling you to start? What is God calling you to believe? And who is God calling you to share this message of hope with? Let us contemplate. God bless you. Thank you again for listening to Disciple City Church Podcast. Until we meet again, shalom.